welcome back to another Search, Ponder, and Pray um, podcast where we do our best to study the Come, Follow Me and apply it to our daily, to our daily lives. Um, we're going to try and just keep going and uh, study along with what we can. We follow the Come, Follow Me outline, which is an outline provided by the Church of Jesus. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, so today, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 13. Um, but we're going to start with a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help open our minds to the scriptures. So we'll go ahead and start there. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so humbly grateful for the opportunity we have this week to come closer to Thee. We thank Thee for the opportunity we had to partake of the sacrament yesterday and for the renewal that that brings. We thank Thee for Thy Spirit and for Thy love and patience with us. Help us, Father, to strive to become more spiritually-minded people. Help us to keep our priorities straight as we go about our day and about our week. Forgive us of our sins, Father, and help us to come closer to Thee. We pray for these things ever so humbly, Father. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, Matthew 13. Um, I think I want to start in the New Testament student manual. Uh, there's, kind of a, there's kind of an overarching thing that I want to talk about for just chapter 13. Um, kind of talking about the parables and, and whatnot. So, let's start there. So in chapter 13, Matthew recorded eight parables of the Savior. The word parable means a comparison. Or a setting, or a setting side by side, and that can be found in the Bible dictionary. Um, each each of the eight parables recorded in Matthew thirteen compares the kingdom of heaven to a compares the kingdom of heaven to a physical object or objects. Um, there are often contextual clues that clarify the interpretation of the parable, such as the audience to whom the parable was being directed or the question Jesus was addressing. So, if you want commentary and a definition of the kingdom of heaven. See, uh, see the commentary on Matthew thirteen eleven. So we'll get there, and we'll kind of break down what is the kingdom of heaven. But for right now, let's continue here. So the prophet Joseph Smith taught, "I have a key by which I understand the scriptures. I inquire what was the question which drew out the answer, or caused Jesus to utter the parable. To ascertain its meaning, we must dig up the root and ascertain what it was that drew the saying out of Jesus. In some instances." That's what Joseph Smith said. And in some instances, the Savior himself gave the interpretation. For example, Jesus explained the meaning of the parable of the sower and the wheat and the tares. Although there is normally one intended interpretation of a parable, there may be many lessons and interpretations of a parable. And there, may be, there may be many lessons and truths from a parable that can be applied to modern circumstances. President Hugh B. Brown of the First Presidency pointed out that the Savior's parables most likely developed developed out of the ordinary day-to-day -day experiences. His parables were not woven into from fancy, and they were word pictures of what he of what he had observed as he lived among the people. He had seen the sower at work in the field, the shepherd with his sheep, the repentant son returning to his father, the barren fig tree. He knew the publican and the Pharisee and had attended wedding feasts where foolish virgins who had no oil in the where foolish virgins had no oil in their lamps 
He taught from the rich, richness of his own life, and he taught because he loved the people. So that seems to be um, one of the things that Christ really did do, is that it wasn't just that he taught with parables. It was with, it was with things that he had just plainly observed all around him, that we as people, if we're observant and gospel-minded in our lives, we can see the truths of the gospel all around us. Because the truths of the gospel are simply the truth. They're the truth for everywhere and everything. All right, let's jump into the scriptures, shall we? Let's see what we have in, in chapter 13. All right, in verse 1. This, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And, he, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up, because they had no depth, deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. I'll check to see this real quick. All right, so in the New Testament manual, from verses 4 to 8, um, it talks about the different types of soil. But before we get too far into the soil, I kind of want to just bring up the fact that um, a sower went forth, forth to sow. All right, so and then Jesus kind of it explains. Um, well, let's let's finish this out. Let's see what. Um, so let's go to verse ten. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore I speak unto them in parables, because they seeing not, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their eyes are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are you, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye, have, which ye see, and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When any one heareth the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth it away. Alright, so he's going he's gonna to go into explaining that, um, about the seeds and the soil. But one thing that he doesn't touch on, that I would like to um, talk about a little bit, a thought that I've had as, I, as we're reading this just now, is, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. So the sower is, is delivering the word of God. 
So we can we can somewhat imagine that the the sower can be a missionary, a teacher, any any individual who is willing to preach the gospel uh, to the to the masses and to you know to cast out the truth and to try and spread forth the gospel. That could be like like this, like I'm doing through a podcast. That could be through posting things on Facebook or Instagram or different things like that. That could be going on a mission. That could be just simply te- bearing your testimony to your friends or in or talking to them about the gospel or in any in any capacity when you speak about the gospel in any capacity to anyone you suddenly become the sower of the field now what's interesting and when he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside so these so now now jesus is creating a subsection of seeds these aren't even the seeds that he was meaning to sow the the sower is meaning to sow his seeds obviously in the field those seeds are the ones that he's diligently trying to sow but these seeds that we're being talked about are the seeds that have unintentionally landed in places where they shouldn't oftentimes i think that as we strive to do our best and live good examples and to preach the gospel and to be the people that the lord would have us be our works and our our intentions might end up going places we we can't even imagine and sometimes people might hear or see or read um the things that we we believe and it might stir some things in their hearts that we don't even understand that we'll never even we'll never even imagine and we may never even know but the lord knows and the lord needs us to be out there sowing the seeds because if there's no one to sow the seeds then no one can hear the word so we've got the sower he's delivering it all out he's deli- he's he's casting out the seeds and the savior is going to explain um the parable unto his disciples so in verse 19 when any one heareth the word of the kingdom and, and understandeth it not then cometh that the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sworn that which is sown in his heart. This is he that received the seed by the wayside. But he that received received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth it for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also... He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that, rece- he that heareth the words and care for and, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he become and he becometh unfaithful but he that receiveth receiveth seed into the gr- good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold some sixtyfold some thirtyfold all right so it looks like from the, from the Lord's explanation, I was a little bit mistaken. Uh, the, the ones that were cast by the wayside—that's that's, that's a, a group unto itself. Uh, those that were cast by the wayside into ground that they, they, they never the, the seed never took hold at all. It never sprang forth at all. Um, they couldn't understand it for whatever reason. Um, all right, so let's let's go ahead and jump over to the New Testament New Testament student manual. Let's see what smarter people than I have to say. All right, so in uh, let's talk about the different types of soil. Uh, in, so Matthew th- four through eight, 
Matthew 13, verses 4 through 8. In the parable of the sower, also called the parable of the soils, the field represents the world, and the, so the sower represent the apostles. The different types of soil represent the conditions of people's hearts. The word of the kingdom is sown in one in one's heart. The Savior taught and the parables described describes the various ways in which people respond to the gospel word. The wayside is a path or road around or through fields. It became hardened as farmers and travelers regularly walked upon it. The hardness of the way prevented seeds prevented seeds that fell into the ground. I'm sorry. The hardness of the way the hardness of the wayside prevented seeds that fell upon it from sinking into the soil and taking root, allowing birds to easily see and eat them. Stony places are rocky surfaces covered with a thin layer of fertile soil. Though seeds could send forth shallow roots, the rock that lay just below the surface prevented the roots from going deeper, and the plants and the plant was unable to withstand the scorching heat of the day. The ground with thorns was fertile soil, however. It was, however, it was overgrown with, by thorns and other weeds that crowded out more productive plants by depriving them of water and needed nutrients. The good ground was fertile soil, which, with sufficient depth and healthy roots, so the plants could grow and bring forth varying amounts of fruit. All right, so it kind of jumps over to 10 to 14. Whosoever hath, to him shall be given. We receive more understanding of the meaning of the Lord's words in Matthew 13:12 from his statement in 2 Nephi 28:30 Unto him that receiveth I will give more and from them that shall say we have enough from them shall be taken away even that which they have The Savior's words in Matthew 13:12 could therefore be taken to mean for whosoever hath a capacity to receive to him shall be given This underscores the importance of individual agency in the understanding of the gospel even all even all even an all-powerful god cannot give to someone who will not receive another book of mormon passage reinforces this principle teaching teaching when people continue to harden their hearts against spiritual truth they may lose their spiritual knowledge that they once had so that's in alma 12 let's jump over to alma 12 verses 10 through 11 it says and therefore he that will harden his heart the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word and he that will not harden his heart, to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until he know them in full. And when and they that will harden their hearts, to them is given the lesser portion of the word, until they know nothing concerning the mysteries, and then and then they that are taken captive by the devil, and led by his will down to destruction. Now this is what is meant by the chains of hell. So this is one thing that I don't think it's a it's a threat that the Lord is making to us. I think it's a war. The Lord never threatens. The Lord warns. He warns us of the of the the nature of things and what we need to be aware of. In this scenario, the Savior is warning us of the danger that comes when we decide. I've got an. I thank you. I've got enough gospel learning for, for now. I'm 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 happy. I'm happy with where I'm at. That. We can't live in that way. The gospel isn't something that uh, is something we can have and put on a shelf. It's not something that you achieve and it's done and checked off and there it is. It's a living, moving, breathing thing that requires constant care and attention. Just like you wouldn't take, um, say, 
say let's say a lettuce a lettuce plant or sprouts or any other garden garden vegetable you wouldn't water it once see it sprout and say well good i'm i'm done definitely not in any dry or arid place you wouldn't say that because yes it sprouted but now it's going to need constant care and attention or else it will dry up the the pests will get to it the the sun will get to it well in some cases itself will get to it there are some you know if you if you look at fruit trees and if you look at a fruit tree that has not been cared and tended to uh, for pruning and different things like that a lot of times they don't produce any fruit and therefore are good for for nothing but shade and that which why then would you have bought a fruit tree if you just wanted shade you know so a lot of times all the time the gospel is is an item that we need to constantly care for we need we can't just say i've got enough because when we do then it starts to diminish in our hearts and we start to lose that which we had the savior isn't threatening us and saying well if you don't if you don't continue on the path and and keep buying into my what i'm saying that you know you know you're going to just go to hell no what he's saying is if you don't continue to strive to live the gospel and to receive the nourishing word day by day your hearts will become hardened and that which you once believed will be lost to you you'll start to doubt and question and you'll start to lose the path. All right. We've got a lot more in here. So let's jump down. Um, I'd like to read this uh, section on the kingdom of heaven. The phrase, the kingdom of heaven, occurs eight times in Matthew 13. Elder Bruce R. McConkie of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles explained that the kingdom of heaven is used in Matthew, as used in Matthew, means the church and the kingdom of God on earth. The church is formally set up and the organ organized by the Lord Jesus Christ in the meridian of time. Okay, so let's jump over let's jump down to the next one in verse thirteen. They seen see not. The Savior used parables to hide meanings from those who were spiritually unprepared to reveal great truths to the, those who were ready to receive them. The parable conveys to the the hearer the hearer to the hearer religious truths exactly in proportion to his faith and intelligence to the dull and the uninspired it is a mere story seeing they see not while to the instructed and the spiritual it reveals the mysteries of or secrets of the kingdom of heaven thus it is that thus it is the parable sorry <laughs> thus it is that the parable exhibits the condition of all true knowledge only he who seeks finds the savior's parables therefore included in an implied invitation to seek further understanding of the truths they contained, and those who did so were, were rewarded with greater with greater enlightenment. Elder James E. Talmage of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles provided a simple illustration showing why some people may fail to understand the truths taught in parables. Two men, he said, may hear the same words. One of them listens in indolence and indifference. The other, with active with an active mind, intent on learning all the words the words can possibly convey. Having heard, the diligent man goes straightway to do things commanded to him, while the careless one neglects and forgets. The one is wise, the other foolish. The one has heard to his eternal profit, the other to his everlasting condemnation. The, the, the scriptures 
are very much uh, set up in this way. The scriptures are set up in a way that if we're not prepared to study them with the Spirit of God, we won't understand the full meaning of them. Because the full meaning of the scriptures for us is meant specifically for us. The Lord can only deliver that which we are prepared to receive. He's not going to just continually dump out buckets of knowledge upon us and, tell, and just hoping that we're going to catch it all. He has the well prepared. And if we come with a small little little cup, little little teaspoon, that's all we'll come away with. But if we're prepared to bring forth, you know, great buckets, great a great tank, we'll come away with much more. And the thing is, is just like when you go to the gym, you're not going to start off by lifting the heaviest weight. You're going to hurt yourself if you try to do that, and you'll be offended, and you'll you won't come back, or you maybe maybe you can't come back. It's the same with with as we study the scriptures and we study the Word of God. If we are prepared and we study and we take our time, we start slow, and we work with the Lord in the process, never forgetting the Lord in the process. Because if we have the scriptures but we don't have the Lord with us in the scriptures, we are in danger of ending up like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had the scripture. They knew the scriptures forward and backwards. Out of anyone in, in, in that time, they knew the scriptures super well. But they forgot who gave the law, who gave the scriptures. And because they forgot who gave the scriptures, when he came, they failed to recognize him. In that sense, they, they were very much like the stony ground. They had the soil. It was there. But there was a, a stone in place, just beneath the surface, can't be penetrated by the small, tender feelings that come from the Spirit of the Lord. We have to be wary and break down those hard, stony facets in our hearts so that when the Lord speaks to us, when He tries to bring forth the gospel to our ears, we are ready to listen and we are ready to hear His voice and to do those things that he would have us do. I testify that this is true. I testify that as we strive to come closer to the Savior, and as we strive to break down those walls, that we will find a greater understanding and a greater abundance of the Spirit in our lives, which will greatly improve the quality of our lives, regardless of our standing in the world, whether we're impoverished, whether we're rich, whether we're forgotten and lonely. The Spirit of the Lord and the companionship of the Savior will greatly enhance our lives. I testify that this is true. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.